Welcome to Theater Theater Pod, the theater podcast for theater people, made by three theater people artists from the Los Angeles area, and part two of our discussion about plays that are movies, or or is it movies that are plays? Or anyway, uh, I'm Scott Leggett uh, on behalf of Jay Bailey Burcham and C.J. Merriman. Welcome to Theater Theater Pod. Normally, each episode we delve into a specific playwright and their plays, but for this special sixth episode series, we decided we decided we're going to try and do something a little a little different, a little bit fun uh, for everybody. Um, so basically, we are talking about um, plays that were adapted into movies. Um, obviously, that is a huge list, and we uh, were very careful not to include musicals this time. We'll get back to that sometime in the future. Uh, we weren't going to do any Shakespeare or any other sort of weird adaptation things. We were sticking strictly to, with plays that were adapted into movies, and uh, this is part two. In part one of our uh, discussion, we um, selected... Mm, Two masterpieces of both theater and film. Uh, we're talking about the adaptations of Peter Schaffer's Amadeus, as well as the adaptation of uh, August Wilson's Fences. Uh, and we ended up uh, on a bit of a cliffhanger in part one. Um, as the conversation uh, sort of finished up on Fences, uh, we focused in on the performance, the brilliant performance, the Academy Award-winning performance of Ms. Viola Davis. And it just so happens that Miss Davis is in um, the next play that we are about to discuss here in part two. Uh, thanks for checking in. Thanks for being fans of Theater Theater Pod. Please like us and all that good stuff and uh, kick back and enjoy part two of plays that were movies or movies that are plays or whatever it is. Kick back and enjoy. Thank you. The theater, the theater. Theater. To be or not to be. Theater, theater. Um, so we're moving on to our next one, which is Dirt. <laughs> dirt. It's dirt. It's a wee bit of dirt. Dirt a purber. Man, um, it's doubt. It's um, it's Shanley, man. It's doubt. um, Shanley. Uh, John Patrick yeah. himself. So a couple things that I wanted to, I want to point out right off the the the, the bat there. Yeah, is that yeah that the play is called Doubt, a parable. The movie is Correct. simply called Doubt. There's a distinction there, Correct. and there's a distinction that mm, I don't think ends up playing out in the film. I think that he lo- I think oh. he loses the parable in the film and it becomes something else. So I, agree. I have an idea of why that uh, might be. I and do too. So yes. Maybe it's the same um, idea. So just a couple <laughs> quick things about it. Uh 2004, uh, it's originally staged at the Manhattan Theater Club off Broadway, debuts on November mm-hmm. 23rd, 2004. Then it moves to the Walter Kerr Theater on Broadway in March of 2005. Uh, wins the Pulitzer Prize for drama. Was that the, is that the only, are you on internet there, uh, Bailey? Yeah, Is that the only Pulitzer Shanley's ever? He's got a Pulitzer Prize for Doubt, a Parable, and a Tony Award for Best Play for the same one. And then he has his Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for, for Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Which is one of my favorite It's a great screen. Oh my God, it's a priceless screenplay. It still holds up. It was on yeah. TV the other day, or a couple weeks ago. Uh, on just regular crappy TV, like with commercial interruptions and all that. And I got suckered right into it. It still holds up. Olympia Dukakis is yeah. fucking dynamite 
in that movie and that performance still holds up Cher's great and yeah and Dukakis Nic- they all are that whole family is Nick, Nick Cage, Cage is great yeah a couple years later he also makes uh Joe versus the uh-huh. Volcano which he wrote and directed which is weird and then he also uh does that Michael Crichton book Congo That's he right. wrote the screenplay for that he's had a weird, weird career <laughs> um weird couple dude. things uh Cherry he, he does get the drama desk <laughs> for uh for this as well. Yes, no. Um, Cherry Jones originates the role, wins the Tony for playing Sister Aloysius. Um, hey, here's here's some trivia. Anybody know where the West okay. Coast premiere of uh, Doubt occurred? <gasps> no, I want to know. Is it, it in it, LA? It, it's, 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 well, it's in LA County. It, uh, it's a Pasadena oh. Playhouse, dipshit. Hey! hey! That's, That's where, where I work. work. And it's, I <laughs> performed there and have a. Uh, I didn't know that. The West Coast premiere of Doubt was at yeah, the Playhouse. Yeah, um, let's see what. You know who played You know who played the Meryl Streep role? Because I've seen the picture a thousand times when I walk by my office. Is the little woman from um, uh, Kindergarten Cop. What is her name? Uh, uh, Robin Pierce, uh, Pearson Rose. A Sister Aloysius is what it says hmm. here on the Wikipedia research thing, but it was at... at What's her name again? Is Robin, R-O-B-I-N, Pearson, P-E-A-R-S-O-N, Rose, R-O-S-E. Rose, R-O. How do you spell Rose again? Well, this is... Oh, no, this is not who I'm thinking of. Okay, so there is a picture of her playing the Meryl Streep role. I swear to God. Shit. At the plat because I see it all the time. Are you uh, sure it wasn't just Pasadena another Playhouse nun? And- it was a different nun? Oh maybe, but that would be weird, right? To cast Linda Hunt as like just a random nun. And depending yeah, on what there's it- only two nuns in the play anyway. No 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 no. I'm saying that it might be another play but another, another oh. Oh. <laughs> you might be right i don't know no she wouldn't, um, she wouldn't have played she wouldn't have played that the amy adams role no linda hunt linda hunt would have been oh, in her she's in her 70s now did you know linda yeah. hunt won the academy uh, award for uh playing a man in what yeah, don't you're see. living dangerously if you ever get a chance she's amazing oh. okay so she did. I'm reading the LA Times revi- uh, a review right now. She played the Sister Aloysius part, and the other woman you stated played oh, the other. Oh, this is a, an error in Wikipedia. Wicca, fuck yeah, you. I was just pulling this stuff. Oh, okay. no, really. Donate to them, guys. And I thought I'd pull up all the info, but uh, it was in 2010. But, Crazy. Um, but yeah, and then, um, and then uh, Mr. Shanley um, adapted it and directed it in the film version himself and listen i'm not knocking the film version i think what it is is that the way that he structures the play for me means yeah. that i'm he he paints such wonderfully vivid pictures through his words yeah and the fact that you don't see the kids the fact that you don't see the kid right that's the problem. With the it's it, he gets he gets they, they have all these scenes of what and they like talk all about. those like right. you can see all those. I've been in those you know New York Boston turn of the centuries that are still around schools with the gymnasiums and you can smell them you know like yeah and so all those details that I'm sure he's just you know using from his own experiences and his own life are all immaculate. The d- production design is beautiful. And there's a few moments that he gets into the movie that don't come out in the play that I think are, resonate really powerfully. Um, the, the juxtaposition of the nuns sitting around eating dinner as opposed to the priests yeah. sitting around eating dinner and the priests are having a good uh-huh. old time. And, and he, he does a little bit more in the movie in terms of showing the power balance between men and women, between priests and nuns. I just think it'd be right. He shows the world of the of the actual church. Yeah, a lot and more, and for it, sure. yeah, it's not a tale anymore. You're watching a story. And so at the end, and I went over this a million times because I'd heard, always heard that there was these these great sort of post show debates that would happen after the play. You know, there would you know, and right. And so there's the line where she reveals that she 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 tricks him. She says, oh, I talked to your old parish. But then she tells Amy Adams' character, I didn't. I called him. 
I called him on it. And I'm like, oh, but then now the doubt's removed. Now I know. Now you know. Maybe, right. maybe you kind of know. Yeah. But then the flip side of that and his commentary, you know, I, I think about the patriarchy and sexism that if she doesn't say that line at the end, if she doesn't have that right. hook, mm -hmm. then you hate her. You would hate right. her. Literally a single line in a play and in the movie. But I, I think it's just more right. effective in the play. Wow. Well, and to your point about parable, not parable, like the play is, is sort of presenting a question, right? Uh -huh. Like, whereas the movie kind of just puts its stamp on like, no, yeah. this is what we're saying. There's one shot, one single shot where you just see uh, Hoffman with the kid. Yeah. And because Philip Seymour Hoffman is the greatest actor of all time, <laughs> it's almost impossible not to go, oh, he did mm -hmm. it. 100% he did it. Whereas with the play, I'm like posed completely with a question. I'm like, oh, fuck if I know. Like, uh, maybe he did, but I kind of want to believe he didn't by the way that he like presents himself. But I think to your point, for the movie to come out and pose the question of maybe he didn't, I think there's some, that, that's a little scary, I think, uh, as a playwright to, or as a film producer, right? To be like, I don't want any single person to walk out of this thinking I'm saying maybe it's okay that this person didn't get taken down. Yeah. You know? But I've heard people talk about the movie and be like, I still don't know. And I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. I, I, uh... I don't want to believe that Philip Seymour Hoffman did it. No, that's why you I mean, cast Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's what makes I, it good. No, exactly. That's why you cast I him. love him so much. I grew up, I half grew up in the Catholic Church, and he is like godly among priests, the way that he delivered his message, didn't talk to the people, and went amongst the congregation and stuff. Like, yeah. And also, Philip Seymour Hoffman, like yeah. he's such a likable guy, period. And I'm just like, God damn, he's so that that second sermon he gives where he where he's talking about the Irish the Irish priest and then all of a sudden jumps into a full Irish brogue and I'm like, that's not a priest, that's a theater kid right there. <laughs> sure. But it's not uh, perfect yeah, though. Like he could have done it perfectly. He does it, he does it a little still too. Right. I thought it was pretty perfect. Yeah, I mean it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's another little thing that she that, that Shanley board. puts in this that, that also makes it really fucking great. It's it's the idea that he the father Flynn is of a new age of Catholicism, a new generation of Catholicism. Yes. Right. He can't, hey, right. But in the 60s. But in the 60s, as, as it's starting to happen, that's what was going on then, to be fair. But he's got, she's got the great line, like, why, why, do you, why do you want to use a secular song? It's like, for fun? And like, so he wins <laughs> that argument against her. Like there's, there's a lot of weirdness in her conservatism Right. that you don't like and so that balancing act between the two of them it's great like i i don't i don't want to knock the movie i think the movie's beautiful i just think it it it, it removes the parable and also with meryl streep uh, one one bite goes a long way so the, her in that final scene when she loses it mm -hmm made me ask why and i think the why for me is that she doesn't want to be right she doesn't want to be right but, but i see to me i agree with that but also it's she lied to get to the end mm, that she needed to get yeah. to and and right, maybe right. she is feeling doubt because i don't know and maybe again because it's philip seymour hoffman and i don't want to believe that he actually did it it's that whole thing of like i am literally trying to make up excuses in my head for like well why did he react that way after she said she talked to someone from a school he used to work at right it's it's just like well maybe he thinks the world's against him and he but with that stupid of course i mean i feel like i think that's what's brilliant about the play and yeah. the movie as well is it's like you as the reader or the viewer feel incredibly conflicted too and you find yourself making excuses or blaming or whatever and then that i mean me being having a churchy upbringing it makes me feel 
conflicted all over, you know? It's sort of like the, this play's power comes from the opposite reason why Sister Mary Ignatius has power. <laughs> Where right. it's, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Where it's like, this one is very thinly trying to make one question very clear in your mind right mm -hmm. whereas sister mary ignatius is like every line is trying to be like also this is fucked up also this is fucked up oh you also, mean aloysius or james ignatius is from durang yeah yep that's what i'm talking about he's, oh, compa I'm, he's I'm comparing the, the 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 power and the weight of the nuns i'm s bailey i'm sorry <laughs> it's fine we're, i'm listen, a little upset no, but not anymore. listen we're all drinking we had some technical stuff <laughs> gonna happen in the middle in We've the middle of the recording, and I was like, um, you know, Bailey, we, we no, all had to um, drink Bailey and you sing 45, out, 45 cut this, minutes. Cut all of it. I'm sorry, Bailey, go hey, on. Scott, will you uh, leave this in and double it, please? Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, no, and, and, I'm sorry. And two, and two, two, two. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I just think it's, um, uh, I think. What was I talking about? Sister oh, oh, Sister Mary Ignatius um, is so, because it's satire, right, is very, is because of the satire of it all, it's like almost every line has its bite, its own little, like, kind of, <laughs> yeah, the Catholic Church. Whereas this one, you could be a Catholic at the start of this one and really, even if you know what's coming, like, sort of be on board with them at times, you know? And you could, whereas... Sister Mary Ignatius, right away, you know what the play's doing. You know what it's trying right. to say. This one, you, you kind of, you go for the ride where even at the end, it's never really saying, also the Catholic Church is really fucked up and hypocritical. Like, it's not uh, really, yeah. it is, but it's not really trying to, that's not the yeah, point it's, it's, of it it's, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not taking on Catholicism. Right. It's taking on this little, little tiny corner, this little tiny moment. Yes. And... Viola Davis is what one scene oh, uh, out thank in the you graveyard for bringing this where back she up. just that it, it, it made me cry six or seven whenever whenever yeah. I read the play was like eight years ago and I'm like yeah it, it shook me to my core that scene and Viola is one of those actresses who just and this has been said a lot I know I'm not the first person to say this and I don't mean this in any way but that it's true because I think Viola Davis is fucking gorgeous oh, no yeah. matter what. But she is one of those actresses who is just not afraid to ugly cry. No. She's just not afraid to like feel what she's feeling and go all the fucking way. If you've ever watched How, How to Get Away with Murder, she has scenes where she's just sitting there, no makeup, no wig, just like fucking like looking in a mirror, bawling. And you're just like, oh, and snot pouring down her fucking face. Like, you know, and you're just like, you are the greatest thing to ever happen to film. Like, and, yeah. and even worse about her is that like all these stats about like how many massive roles she's played and how, you know, and, and then you look at like Meryl Streep's amount of Oscars and her amount of Oscars and how kind of ridiculous it is that Viola doesn't have more, but then you also think more about it. And it's like the pay gap oh. is huge. Right, Viola has five Oscars, but she or four, but she, but she, her pay gap is like she is like there's a million dollars between her and Meryl Streep, mm -hmm. and it's like that doesn't make any sense. I was reading an article about this. this is the only reason I'm bringing that up. Sorry, that's a whole other conversation. But I did want to mm -hmm. bring up because you know me and my awards shit. Um, this movie wins zero Oscars. Yeah, it gets nom. Yeah, it gets really? nominated. Nominated for fucking everything. Zero yeah. Oscars. Huh. It's uh because yeah. it's understated, like it it yeah it if it you know if you're doing Hollywood, dealing with your priest rape, you know and pedophilia, spotlight though yeah but spotlight's an entirely different thing. That's not really about that. It's about the the search for that's it true and and the the right. truth around it and and there's definitely some lulls in the movie and the play. If you want my my real opinion there's some lulls there's some moments where it gets real slow and you're like you've said this thing 10 in times doubt, already you you're mean? just arguing about it again in doubt oh yeah. i didn't i didn't feel that way i felt i've always felt like it yeah. it, it breezes by the movie specifically oh, the movie the movie the, the movie no, the gets movie, a little yes there's a little bit too like there's some moments where you're, uh, you're kind of yeah, like oh. because on stage i think i would be a little more 
with them every moment because it's live, right? Whereas in the movie, I did find myself, and I maybe it's because I've seen it a hundred times, but I found myself like checking my phone and pulling up games a lot, <laughs> and I kept having to be like, "Wait, what am I doing? Like, don't do that, Bailey. Like, you're respecting this film. Watch it." But I, it just I don't no, know. he he maybe gets a little. I think he gets a little sucked into the details. It's almost like he overcompensates. Like the difference between doing theater and doing film is that in film you show and you don't tell. Doubt is all tell. It, the, the original play is all tell. You're telling everything. Right, You're not showing anything. So you get the feeling that here's an yeah. insanely smart, insanely talented artist and storyteller who's like, yeah. oh, maybe I should get a few more shots of the of the 1963 cars parked on the street. Maybe I need to get a few of the, yeah. a few more of the kids. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that he painted it so well in the script. Like I knew where that I knew where right. the, what he was doing. It's, in, it's in the text. It's in there. But it's also it's also it shows because then he doesn't he doesn't get a best director yeah. nomination and he doesn't get a best picture nomination because it's it's honestly not. It, especially compared to the other things that were up that year, it just wasn't. It wasn't. wasn't you know, yeah, the, and there's only so much you can do. This is an understated. It was an understated story right. with four characters. It's like fences. Yeah, where it's like yeah, it's like you either need to just like put a camera up in front yeah. of actors, which is just theater again, or you need to like do something. Different. He does but some. It, yeah, he does a couple of really cool things in the movie that I was like, man, these are cool little directors things, and uh, right. the when he first comes into the office for the first time to talk about quote unquote, the Christmas pageant and she's, and she's nervous as shit and she's fiddling around and she literally opens the blinds and the light shines directly on him. Then she goes around the desk right. and she turns on the lamp and the lamp shines bright, like brightly in his eyes. And I'm like, okay, that's a little on the nose, but it's still really nice, clever, directing film directing stuff uh -huh. you know you know when you look at you know adaptations like that it's always about also what's going on that year in terms of oscars i think it's it's a great movie I and, think... and i want to play father flynn real fucking bad in play someday yeah. i did too man I and did friends too. what are we doing the plays and the movies for anyway are we doing them for the awards right yes. that's right and I, you know i think about it too it's like Amy Adams got a lot of roles out of this movie. She's sure. great. Uh, I don't, I don't, she's, I, awesome. she's good. She's good. I think, oh, oh, God, she's good. I think she's phenomenal in most films she's in. Mm -hmm. I think she's good in this. And I, I wonder, Bailey wonders if it's because the other three performances are so next level that sure. I kind of like put her in a different category, just like subconsciously. But this time watching, and I've never actually thought this before. This was the first time I thought this. This time watching, I was sitting there going, oh, she's kind of putting this on. And then I, I, I'll be honest, though, I had a couple scenes where I felt that about Meryl, where I was like, mm, you're putting this character on a little bit for me. Yeah, she, she does. She, it, she so. does. And she's done that more and more over the last few years. You can see her putting it on. But... I kind of love watching Meryl yeah, jerk I kind of got to let her. Literally one of the I greatest like to watch Meryl Street jerk off. To ever be anywhere, male, female, or otherwise. I like when she, when she pleasures herself in front of me. It makes me feel <laughs> okay. like I'm there with her. Remind me not to well. act or pleasure myself in front of either. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> no, it's a good call. It's a good call. Uh, I will be. Horrible. I'm worried about the podcast you'll talk about me on. <laughs> I have three other podcasts, uh, by the way. Uh, join so, us next um, week for Bailey and Scott Trash <laughs> CJ, a new podcast. <laughs> it's a, 18. Oh my God, I would it's tune 18 into hours that. of us just I would too. about CJ. <laughs> I would tune into it because Talking I about feel vaginal. like no, I No, don't you feel like yes. you deserve it. You're, a, you're an amazing human being. Please don't. You're an, a beautiful, yeah, amazing, incredible know. artist who I want in my life more than anything, and I need you to hear that. I need you to know namaste. I fucking see you. Okay? Just so you know, I like sometimes Bailey and I will just text each other about you. God, CJ is so great. And uh, I will I will sometimes send just like pictures of you like while you're sleeping to Scott that are just like, look at this angel. Look at this amazing angel who I want to ally for and stand up for forever. 
like like okay. this is why I'm a feminist CJ uh, Merriman. Oh, uh, okay. Well, okay. Now everyone be quiet. I'm going to masturbate for five minutes. Ready? Cool. Uh and... silence, please. <laughs> five minutes later. Wow. Okay, okay. God. Sorry. Uh, cut that five minutes out, please. Thank you. I right. usually I usually <laughs> end with tears. That was for us and only us. Tears. No, we're Hi, not Mom cutting and Dad, any if of you. Actually, are we're listening not to cutting this. any. No, of this. we just lost all of our subscribers. Yeah. So we just lost all of my parents. <laughs> I hope your parents hear this. This that would make. Hi, Merrimans. Hi. Uh, By the way, Big Al and Joy. You made an incredible angel who um, <laughs> masturbates in front of us. So uh, moving so on from uh, nuns and pedophile priests. Um, yeah, did I say BS was next or everybody's was next? Everybody's. Well, okay, so no, this is a big one. This is a big okay, one, this and is, this, this this is crazy. This kind of, we're we're shoehorn we're shoehorning this just a little bit. We are because it doesn't fully fit in the exact idea because because this play was never produced was not produced until two thousand nine, nearly. There's a reason and, why. Yes, there so is. So the script is the source material, and there is a reason why. There, the script is the source material, but it's so it's pretty vastly different. Um, however, the bones are there, so we felt like honoring it because this is exciting. I think this is cool. I'll be honest. I did not know anything about this. This Me was either. a huge um, hole. I'm an, I am an, uh, I was telling them I am an omnivore of pop culture, but this is a huge blind spot for me. I had never seen this movie. All I knew was that it was based on this like obscure play that had never been done. That was my one little theater knowledge about it, but this is like probably the most famous movie of all time. Certainly. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's, it's in most people's top 10, I would imagine, you know, if you really push people. Yeah. And I've now seen it. Should we say what it is? Do we say we already said what it is? <laughs> the, the name of the play. The name of the play is "Everybody Comes to Ricks." Everybody comes. She, at wow! Rick's. Everybody comes on Rick. Wow! Everybody comes on Rick, and the they took the setting of that play and gave it the name because they they said, "Oh, it sounds exotic. It sounds great. Let's name it that one word." Casa Blanca. Blanca. Yes, folks, Casablanca is based on an unproduced play. Well, it, 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 it has it has since been produced. It was produced like in the 2000s. But True. Yeah, basically it was an unproduced play. Some script editor at Warner Brothers read it and was like, this is a great idea for a play. And it is. Like the, the, yeah. the concept is great. Uh, Can I read an excerpt from this book that I yeah, got from please. the library that's called... It's called, We'll Always Have Casablanca, The Life, Legend, and Afterlife of Hollywood's Most Beloved Film. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read this little expert, uh, excerpt. I'm a little drunk. Okay. What? Here we go. One night after Murray and his wife arrived in the south of France, having successfully smuggled out their contraband, because they were uh, leaving out of the south of France when... Uh, like near Vichy, mm -hmm. which is crazy, uh, where all of the uh, Nazis were uh, coming in and things like that. So they had to sneak out all of their possessions under fur coats and whatnot, which was earlier in the chapter. And then it says, they visited a smoky nightclub on the outskirts of Nice on the road to Monte Carlo, perched above the Mediterranean. It catered to a mixed clientele made up of refugees and military officials of all political stripes. The patrons spoke in a babble of foreign tongues, and there was a black pianist, a crooner from Chicago, who was busy working the crowd, playing a set of popular jazz standards. Burnett, the writer of the original play, he and his uh, partner, uh, Joan Allison, was especially fond of the pianist whose songs brought him back to his student days at Cornell and whose enchanting voice soothed, soothed the audience. A great contrast to the tragedy and tears, he recalled, and provided them with hours of welcome distraction from the Nazis. Taking in the scene, Burnett purportedly turned to his wife and said on the spot, what a setting for a play. Thus was the idea for Casablanca. Can I, so, so let me, if I can tell my story, my Casablanca story. Please. So, again, I'm a little bit older than both of you. <clears throat> there was a big deal that happened in, when cable sort of became the norm, when everybody had cable, like, like late 90s? <laughs> like early 2000s, like 2007? You son of a bitch. 
Just let him know that Bailey said it Let's, and I didn't. I am in the middle. Let's the say middle. early eight. It was Bailey, a joke. It was a joke, but I was I let's I mean I don't, for the listener I mean I don't know that we've ever been straight up about this, but I am I am I, I was born in 1990, so do that math. I'm a little young. Yeah, no, you're 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 an old. I'm a little soul. young. So let's say this this is the <laughs> let's say this is the early 80s, but um, before there was Turner Classic Movies, there was just the Turner Channel, which kind of still exists today. Right. And so it was a big big mm-hmm. deal when they got the rights to show Casablanca. It was sort of one of the early big attempts by cable to really challenge the three big networks, four big networks uh, in terms of ratings. So they, they put it on and then a year later they did the colorized version, which is very controversial because they tried to start colorizing shit. Yeah. But I remember very clearly like being a young kid Uh. and my, and my my parents watching it and i remember them just laughing at it like my perception i think a lot of people's perception of casablanca is this romance and you know and you know, bogart and 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 ingrid and all, all this but they were right, laughing right. they laughed their ass off through the whole movie and like no 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 with it with because it? there's so because that oh, script okay. goes like a machine gun. Right. It's just like they're just and everybody who has a chance from Sasha the bartender who's got three lines, but every time he gets to step up to the the plate, he knocks it out of the fucking park. And I think that that's one of the reasons that it's it's just stayed with me over the years is that cast of characters, these sort of beasts of burden in this place, you know, in the middle of the desert where, you know, everybody's tense because any, you know, any bullet, any single shot can, you know, make things three times worse uh, politically. Right. And that just, it, there's so much humor that goes with the, pa- that adds to the, to the passion. There's a lot in the book about censorship. They're talking a lot about like, like what to censor oh, and not sure, to censor sure. in the movie and stuff like that. I, I highly recommend people picking up this book if they like Casablanca even a little bit because I knew nothing about this movie except that it was like in the mainstream as like one of the greatest things. And I know I'm a total asshole. I, I feel like all of my like film nerd buddies knowing that it's sort of like how I only watched The Godfather for the first time like three years ago. And like I got berated when I posted that on Facebook. I was like, oh yeah, I finally watched The Godfather. And like, people came for me yeah (laughs) two is great uh but i was sort of like it was just this weird like i had to come out like about not seeing casablanca i feel like this is uh, i mean godfather i feel like this is my coming out moment about casablanca so uh, me too i'd never never seen seen it it. but but this was this was huge for me uh i'll be honest i think cj did the same we were all watching it together we were texting i fell asleep I so did I, Scott. I was, in, I was yeah. mad. I was I just, it was like everybody just so. Everybody disappeared. So. And I'm like, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm texting I'm him. We left him alone. The, the final scene in the, in the, in the, in the hangar yeah. and I'm crying and I'm like, Which is amazing. he's giving it all up. Like he's sacrificing everything. Here's the thing. I feel now that I've finished it, I feel 10 times worse <laughs> because I really, I really wished we had all like experienced that together. Um, but I did. I fell asleep. I had drank a little bit too much. I don't, I mean, I only really drink when we podcast and then like when we're going to do like a live stream. Oh, so I was no, no. I just mean like, that's <laughs> when I, that's when I choose to drink. So I, I, I pulled out some whiskey. I drank a little more than usual, And I ended up like realizing like scene two. I was like, <laughs> like I, was, I was like, I'm not going to make it. And so I kept sort of like punching myself a little bit and like, you know, popping myself in the chest and shit, being like, you can, you got this. And like had the volume really high on everything. Like every time you guys sent a text, it came through. And then I woke up four hours later, and I was like, fuck. Been and there. I felt so bad. But then a couple days later, I forced myself to watch. I was like, because I w- honestly, I was sort of in that mode of like, I'm not actually going to like this now that I've had to watch it in two sittings. But then I sat down and I started it from the beginning again. And I think it's phenomenal. I really liked it. I really, really liked it. I like the movie better than the script, for sure. Well, than the, the play. The play is, the, is, the play is, is mediocre at best. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're all pretty drunk. 
but this is our fun episode. This drunk is, as butt. Drunk is, uh, as butt. Is the text I got from Scott during. Also, right. drunk as butt. CJ, what did you think of fucking Casablanca? Like, uh, Castle. Um, I will say, I think the thing that struck me, so I fell asleep indeed the first time, and then I rewatched it, and then I read, I finished reading the script afterwards. Ugh. And the one thing, I know, I know. The one thing that I think made me laugh and I almost texted Scott about immediately was <laughs> at the end, they were like, what's what's the name of the lead gal uh, that's with Laszlo? Uh, Lois? Yeah. In the, in the script, it's Lois. Okay, yeah. that's right. Okay. So uh, in the end, she has decided that she's going to go with Rick and she's going to stay with him and blah, blah, blah. And literally, literally in the last scene, he's like, you know what? I've decided that uh, you just have to stay with Laszlo. And I just, as a, I, I don't know. I was just like, why can't I just uh, decide who I want to be with? <laughs> no i mean go ahead go ahead i it's just it's such i enjoyed it it's i and i'm so glad i finally saw the movie um my god for all of the iconic lines and songs that came out of that that show i mean i just for that alone I, it was, it was, and I'm shots. just glad I finally saw it. Shots yeah. that I was like, oh, I've seen that shot a billion times. Uh-huh. I didn't know that was from Casablanca. Uh, but then also to bring it back to story of film, which is uh, that documentary series that Scott got me onto. There is this amazing moment, actually, I think in the pilot episode where they show a moment from uh, Casablanca and they're like, look how beautiful this is. Look at the way that uh, Ingrid Bergman is being shot and the way, you know, the, um, the twinkle of her eye is done this way and whatnot. And you might think this is classic filmmaking, but let me really show you. And it goes like <laughs> way deeper and it's really cool. Yeah. And it shows you like even, you know, shots from Casablanca that are kind of stemmed from other things. And anyway, everyone should watch that docu-series, but it made me appreciate the movie even more. And so a little tiny, tiny piece of this history is that it was bounced around a lot and that's why it it just wasn't produced and then they tried to sell it to some studios and no one would produce it mgm offered like five thousand dollars for it and everybody's like no and then uh, the story goes that five days after pearl harbor hal wallace uh, of warner brothers um found the script on his desk randomly and read it it was was a story editor it was a female story editor and i forget her name but she right. was the and one that needs to be the, given the credit, but exactly. And he and his uh, and he decided to make it his baby and produce it, right? And so he was sort of the reason why uh, it even got looked at, or she was, I guess. Um, but he was sort of the like instigator of like, yeah, let's do this for Warner Brothers, and they bought it for twenty thousand dollars from two unknown writers. Yeah, mm. and it was the most that anyone had ever paid for the rights. Uh, to make a play into a movie. And it was more than twice of their purchase price they had spent the previous year for Maltese Falcon. Okay. Yeah. And no one really knows why. And I was, this was all in the book. And I was sort of, I was reading it. And when it stated that no one really knew why, I started thinking about it. When I watched the movie, I realized it's, it's because of the content. Yeah. It's very obviously going to speak to the time. And I think they knew that it was going to do something no matter what they took from that original script. And I, I don't like the original script, but it is there is this like fucked up part where the guys who get credit for it, um, for the actual script, ended up saying like, uh, we took the name of the character and the setting. Everything else is ours. And I think that's a little bullshit. There's a lot that still... Come, like crosses are over. different yeah the, the, that's true the, yeah, well for sure, and for sure. and and they well bergman in a famous interview she says that there were three different endings shot oh okay okay, right, okay. but right, like, right. like er, there's there, there's kind of there's kind of like controversy about that but right okay. regardless like and then and then there were three other there was a single writer and and the the brothers i forget the i forget their names now who wrote the screenplay? Who were credited with credited with yeah, the like screenplay? Yeah, like Julia and Julian and uh, I'll fucking look it up. Sorry, guys. Up. go ahead. But no, it, it and and it was just and 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 then once it was like Ronald Reagan was almost Rick, like Ronald Reagan was almost Ugh. Rick because it and was. And I heard he was a terrible actor. Yeah, I mean, he was he was he was, he was, he was a he was a personality. He was more like yeah. a 
like a like a game show host kind of announcer right. yeah. kind of guy. But like, yeah, it was just it was just another one of the things like you know William Wyler at one point was going to direct and then it was like oh Michael Curtiz will direct it oh this is just another one of f- 500 movies that we're cranking out right final now final screenwriting credit right. goes to Julius and Philip Epstein which that's is the right that's right and then Edward Koch uh, excuse me Howard Koch right yeah and uncles to Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> and yeah. but and Ed Koch <laughs> I, I will tell you both since you both have and I was really really nervous to watch to watch a movie like that with people who had never seen it before. I took, I took CJ's 2001, a space odyssey virginity from her. Um, <laughs> and the bowl at the Hollywood bowl. bowl virginity. Oh, wow. It was a twofer. And <laughs> at the Hollywood bowl, you guys saw 2001. Yeah. With yeah. a full orchestra. With the four, oh, oh, oh my God. Full orchestra, full chorus, the whole nine yards. Bum, it was fucking boss. Um, I, I will tell you both that as you, watch it again over the years like it, it'll grow each and every time like each and every time i watch it there's something else that like just floors yeah. me like like this time like i forgot that peter laurie is in that movie for all of two and a half goddamn minutes and he's, he's fucking brilliant and you're just like and and just one of the greatest lines you despise me don't you rick but because you despise me you're the only man i trust and like you know people people criticize you know it's like it's there's all these you know corny lines in the script but the whole script is that and what it ends up doing so beautifully is it it creates a whole world where that language works so that all of the lines become become loaded and 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 fill out over time and and then just you know, to, to quote the story, the story of film one more time, it's romantic with a capital yeah, it's R. It's romantic and it's heroic, but it's not like ever overtly patriotic in terms of Americans. There's the great, you know, where they everybody sings the Germans down. Uh, the which, A.A. Weiss version. Oh my Weiss. God, it's so great though. Like yeah. it's still, it still tears yeah. me up. Like, and that you, that you cut to the drunk girl at the bar and she's singing and she's got tears and, and you know, the, the, the woman playing guitar and everybody's standing up, Sam's standing there. And, um, well, I just, it's also kind of what you want to believe we are. And yeah, it's uh, the best. Kind of not. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is though. I mean, that's the whole trick about Bogart and Rick. It's him figuring it out and sacrificing everything that he has. He's got, he's got two cards and that's those letters of transit. That's right. all he's got. Well, and he's got the bar, but he sacrifices the bar to make sure that Sam is taken care of. And he goes and has that great scene with Sidney Greenstreet at the Blue Parrot. You know, his his opposition, you know, the other club in town. And he's going to sell it. And Sidney Greenstreet's just fantastic. Like, <laughs> everybody who steps up to the plate again. Now, like, my favorite, I think one of my favorite lines is, uh, who's Rick? And it's Claude Rains going, Rick. Well, Rick is the type of a man that if I were a woman... I would be in love with him. And it's like, <laughs> it's just those, those little lines. And then yeah. watching, watching Claude Rains turn from being this scummy fucking, you know, seedy, fu- you know, screwing right. young girl to going, no, Jesus. it's time to put everything on the line for the sake of the world, you know? So it's, a, well, it's, it's a movie of its time and place that transcends its time and place too. So the other thing that kept hitting me was, I mean, of, co- of course they keep, they keep playing the the title song from not title song but the main song. You must remember this. Yeah. A kiss is just a kiss. As time goes and, by. Yeah, as time goes by. Thank you, because I know it's not those words, which are the words that everybody knows. Because then I kept thinking, like, okay, obviously I know that song, but where have I heard it? Where have I heard it? It's the opening. It's that the podcast. Track two. You must remember this, which That's is right. a podcast about the first one hundred years of Hollywood. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Easter eggs. Yeah, it's, but that's also, that's kind of an interesting part of this whole thing, too, because as time goes by is mentioned in the opening of um, the script, of, of, excuse me, of the play, of yeah. Everybody Comes to Rick's. So that was a part of it that was a Burnett and Allison thing that was already there, and they put it in the movie because it was actually one of Burnett's favorite songs. 
So they mm. put it in it. But then this is where the fu- all the fucked up stuff starts kind of coming in. Because I'm, you know, I'm all about like people getting rights uh, when they had creative input and whatnot. And uh, like I said before, Co- Howard Koch is the one who basically ended up saying uh, the the play provided an. Ex- this is his exact quote. Quote: uh, Everybody comes to Rick's provided an exotic locale and a character named Rick who ran a cafe, but little in the way of a story adaptable to the screen. And I, th- I think there's like some some truth to that but basically like in a really fucked up way like there's so many things that are right out of that script like the song specifically that it's it's kind of fucked up to not give them any credit like they don't get any credit when the oscar gets one uh they ended up suing actually warner yeah, brothers when yeah. they tried to make a casablanca uh tv show um, and like, you know, a lot of stuff like that. And e- there's even this like horrible interview with Ingrid Bergman where they're like, oh, and like the play that it was adapted from. And she calls them on it. She's like adapted from a play Casablanca. No, no, no. And so it's like the, the <laughs> actors didn't even know it was adapted from a play. Right. Wow. So it, it's kind of fucked up in that way. So I have my there's that tiny little tension I have about it. That's annoying because the most fucked up part is then Howard Koch wrote a autobiography called as time goes by Mm -hmm. which is so fucked up because he's the writer of the screenplay uh he did not come up with that to be in casablanca so it's just a little screwed up in my opinion i don't know it is Uh, no no and you know and so many of those you know old movies and everything from you know wizard of oz to you know gone with the wind have those type of stories right i think it's just a credit to everybody that we're still talking about it that we're still talking about this movie. What? It's 80 years now. It will, it's 78 years. No and, one involved in it is still alive. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. And, and like I said, when, when you, you guys <laughs> had passed out, I'm on the text thing and I'm just literally just tears, just welling, like just, you know, you know, the, the story, the story of, of, of you know, uh, two people like me isn't worth a hill of beans in this whole world, you know, that, that you have to sacrifice, you're sacrificing everything for a greater purpose. And, you know, you just don't get sweeping stories like that anymore. And I had a shirt when I was a kid that was, uh, it had, uh, um, a bunch of math like equations on it. And then it said, here's looking at Euclid. But I never, I never wore it because I felt like a hat because I didn't know what it was from. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick before, go ahead. Real quick before we move on, we should move on. But you know, like they talk about uh, in filming it, the the cinematographer most of the energy was being put into shooting her and making her look, you know, gorgeous, which they do. But the best shot of her, the sexiest shot of her, the most moving shot of her is in the flashback scene when they're in Paris together and the Germans come are marching in to Paris and she's translating for him and she's leaning out the window listening and translating for him. And she just has this look on her face of just fear and uncertainty and and mm, and she just glows and, and and her mouth is slightly agape and she doesn't quite know what to do and it is she's holding it all together and it is it's just an amazing photographic cinem- cinematography cin- cinematographical yeah thank you yep uh, moment let's um, move on let's casablanca move on. everybody should watch fucking Casablanca everyone's got to watch it yeah, I think I, that's something I wouldn't have said it's sort of it was a Hamilton to me I, I got to be honest there was that yeah. moment where I was sort of like this is not going to be as good as everybody's always said it is and it is it just is. it just holds up like it, it just, just sucks you it just sucks you in whether you like it or not it's time and also very of its time and it's just beautiful um can I before we move on to the next one I forgot to say something about doubt oh, that yeah. I really yeah, wanted yeah. to say and you said Paris and then it made me think of it Kelly. um there is a 2007 production of Doubt uh, on the West End. Oh, excuse me. No, in France. Oh. Uh, that was directed by a film director um, who no longer makes films in America. And uh, it is very ironic that he is the one that directed. Polanski? It's Polanski. Boo! What? 
I'm just gonna say boo. He's Roman? directed he he's directed some crazy he he did a production Repulsion. He, he did a production he played Amadeus. That's right. In he a production fuck himself. Rome, uh Polanski also made one of if you watch it, one of the most feminist uh horror films of all time called Repulsion, which is Repulsion. about uh, oh, yeah. rape trauma. And which is crazy because he's a rapist, uh, statutory rapist, charged, uh, convicted, and then Ugh. ran away from the forever. He makes and me so mad. I know. In 2013, he wins the Oscar uh, for The Pianist, even though he had not set foot in the U.S. since the 76. And he, uh, uh, you know, Meryl Streep, among others, gave him a fucking standing ovation. I still mm. don't really understand that whole mm. thing. Well, I mean, yeah. There, there's we don't have time to go into that we sure i'm not gonna and i'm not i'm not i'm not mad for hours i'm not defending i'm not defending polanski but the reason that we're in this situation is because of fucking crooked fucking da's and judges in la county and he he could have stayed here he probably could have just done his fucking time and been contrite about it and because the victim has forgiven him yeah. And, she, and this and all would have been with done with that year of but the you, Oscars and was like, if you like, read his autobiography, he was doing this to other young women. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I, I just, it. he's, he's the one that when you talk about culture and, and, and me too, and this reckoning, he's the one that I think, cause even fucking Mia Farrow defended him for a long fucking time. There's a huge list. There's an actual, and like, because you're just like people's individual experiences Winslet. with him are all, all amazing. And yeah. he's done some he's of the still a statutory rapist. Yeah, man. And Admittedly. you know, you can't, yeah, you can't fuck, you can't fuck 14 year olds. Uh, you know, and there, I mean, uh, you what, just can't like, do it. Five or six, <laughs> just six can't years do ago, it. he he even made a movie uh, with all American actors. It was Jodie Foster, John C. Riley, oh, uh, Christoph yeah. Waltz, and um, Kate Winslet made a God of Carnage, God of Carnage. Uh, adaptation, which is Shit. another that was huge. And it's yeah, a pretty good, it's, and it's a pretty good film. It's you ever great. seen his really Oliver good. Twist? The Oliver Twist he did? Yeah, dude, that's what's really fucked up is that like it's sort of like it's it's there's you know well uh, we can go down that hole all day. Yeah. We've talked about it. You know, there's uh, the, cancel the artist, not the art. Thanks so much for checking out our second part of this episode. Part three will be out next weekend. Please do us a favor, subscribe, rate, review. It helps us a lot. Thank you so much to Ryan Thomas Johnson for our theme song and Pamela Quinn for that incredible uh, Noises Off tribute that we've played for you a few times. And uh, we'll play for you a few more next episodes. Thanks so much for subscribing and listening. We'll catch you later. Go read a play. One minute, two minute, three minute, one minute, two minute, three minute, one minute.